Welcome to We Were Gamers, a podcast about getting old and having indigestion. Is that what it's about now? I mean, the first is part it? seemed right, but is the second part, is that what it's about? Oh, is that not what we're doing? Oh, I don't know. You tell me. Are we having indigestion? <laughs> what did we eat? <laughs> I like... <laughs> uh what did we eat no uh it's uh it's another week this week right everybody having a little bit better week i hope we kind of had a dour beginning to last episode um with stanley having passed and uh the horrible natural disasters here in california uh okay or a 73 yard touchdown could just happen right now it could you know wow this game is nuts. We're going to talk about it at the end of the episode, as we always do, Ranacy Football. Currently, Monday Night Football is going with the best game of the year, and we're missing it for you. The Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be Thank back. <laughs> Let's get into it. There's been a lot of gaming stuff. Last week, we kind of focused a little bit on, on personal stuff, and um, there's some multimedia happening. Oh? There yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of, you know, I'm going to admit something a little bit. Because people have probably been wondering why I haven't talked about it for a little while. I have gotten a little bored of Fire Emblem. That happens, I think. I feel that's a reasonable stance to take. I don't think the story's that good. Also a reasonable stance to take. I can see that kind of game being tough to keep your attention if there's not a compelling story to make you want to, you know, stay involved. I mean, the story's what. Maybe this is the right answer. Uh, the story's what I expected. It's and an- not much more. It's kind of anime, right? Yeah, it's pretty anime. The biggest uh, twist in it happens at the beginning. If you understand, the uh, let's just throw a small spoiler warning here. You can tune in in thirty seconds. If you know who Marth is <laughs> and what he looks like. The masked character is not that of much of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, they sure milked that one for quite a while. I am excited to start teasing this farmer up through the ranks um, and making him into a murder machine. He definitely becomes one of those. Um, But I just, I could, it's kind of flat for me because every other fight is like, oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that guy could move that far. I got to reset this or, you know, there's a lot of like slowing things down. Like if you really want to get through the fights, you got to put, what are they called? Val- this starts with a V. Uh, the Pegasus Knight? V- vil- villainaries. Oh, vulneries. Yeah. Vulneries on, on everyone and like heal them up all the time. This is a lot of healing. There's a very specific option that shows you the total spaces that bad guys can move, like highlights yeah. them. Mm-hmm. You should definitely play with that on all the time. I have so it that on. You don't accidentally move within their range. I have it on. <laughs> one of the problems is that when enemies overlap, you can't tell which one can move where. Yeah, yeah. And you which attack to... reaches how far. So sometimes you'll be within range of a dude that looks like another dude, but that one has a javelin. Yeah, you have to click them individually then, and it's and a then, hassle. Yeah, and then they snipe your healer from the back row. Yep. And it really stinks. Oops. Yeah. So, uh, in an effort to take a break from that, I have been consuming some media that is not video game. Well, hmm. 
Not true. One of them is video game related. JJ, I watched that second season of Castlevania. Yeah. Ooh. I've been making my way through that, but I'm happy to talk about it because it's rad. There were some reviews out there that said it was slow. There were some reviews out there that said that it was a lot of exposition. They're not wrong about either of those things. However, I feel like given the way the first season went, Really, honestly, this is basically the first season of the show. <laughs> yeah. Michael, did you watch that uh, Castlevania Netflix show? It's on my list. I haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. Well, sir. The first season is four episodes, just to make it clear. like it's Okay, so season is used in quotes here. Yes. The second one is eight. Okay. And yeah. they're half hour. So between them, they are half a season. They're, I mean, you get a story by the yeah. end of the first, the second season, it seems. Here. Okay. You have a setup by the end of the first season. So, so Andrew, I want to hear your thoughts, man. Um, I like all the exposition. I have enjoyed uh, so far how much it focuses on the bad guys, which I think is kind of cool and like way more interesting than if it was just the misadventures of our motley heroes. I think, yeah, it, they realized that Trevor Belmont and Alucard are kind of a weak duo. Yeah. And, and even the um, girl third wheeling them there is not making it better. She She comes into her own a little bit. Uh, there's some spell casting. I don't know if you've gotten that far with uh, the castle related. There's some castle related like book stuff that they're doing. Yeah, where I am. So that gets kind of interesting, and uh, they get stuck in a library for a little while, and you kind of start to understand the characters, which is good. Yeah, I, I like how much they are making each one of these people, uh, including the vampires and stuff, like characters. You're learning like how much each one has in terms of like personality and what they're actually trying to do, their side stuff and all that. The new human characters that they've added yeah. um, on the bad side are quite mm -hmm. interesting. And yeah. knowing that there's more to Castlevania than the you know basic story of like, well, Alucard wants to kill Dracula, so and, that's you know, the only goal. There's a lot more they're setting up basically is like and this is basically a retelling of Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse which has a Belmont and a spellcaster lady and Alucard who can turn into a bat against Dracula and whatever random dudes you know um but Castlevania is like a very linear like stage 1 fight this monster stage 2 fight this other monster maybe there's like two paths and in one of the paths you find Alucard or the other path you find the spellcaster, but like that's kind of it. Uh, it's very like a linear thing, and like getting you have no impression of them other than hey, the spell person casts spells, and Alucard turns into a bat, and Trevor has a whip. That's like all you get, you know. Yeah, and the main the main problem with the first season is that it's like all night creatures. There's no story. Yeah, really. they're just fighting night creatures, and so you know, start demons. to understand there are more vampires there's vampire intrigue and not in the like true blood kind of way but more in the like power struggles kind of oh well they don't all just blindly follow dracula's orders they have their own lives and stuff like that so that's kind of interesting 
Have you gotten to uh, Belmont kind of exploring his family home? Uh, they went into a library. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Did he find anything? There's some stuff in there. Books. Okay. Weapons. Nothing else? I guess not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, like I said, I'm working, uh, I'm working my way through it. I, I'm liking there's it. There's some very nice moments in the last couple episodes. There's some very nice video game callbacks. And they come out of, not nowhere, but like they come out of some very interesting instances of, oh, they set that up so that he could, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Alucard turns into a bat. Well, Alucard does some shape-shifting. No, oh, cool. But but not in like a expected place. So mm. it was like fun to see. Like, oh they 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 brought the video game stuff in. Anyway. It's always so, nice when they do that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, Just yeah, like yeah. little gifts to the fans of the games. And um much more than the other Netflix show we've talked about on here a lot with Elfo. <laughs> yeah, disenchantment there. Uh disenchanted with the ending of Disenchantment. I am very curious to see a season three of Castlevania after watching the ending. Cool, Which man. they've already greenlit. Did I just did I see that? They may already be recording it. Um, Richard Armitage is voice of Trevor Belmont, and he said that he has started recording season three. So solid. That means they already yep. had a script lined up, and they were yep pretty much and ready it's to ten go episodes in instead of eight. Rad. Yeah. Speaking of Richard so, Armitage, I was just gonna say he's doing <laughs> he's doing all the voices right now. I know. I know. We need to talk about something else we didn't get to last week, buddy. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we got the final episode of a different podcast, which I think you and I have both been enjoying, uh, Marvel's uh, Wolverine the Long Night. It's a podcast audio drama, not a book. Yeah, it's uh, an old time, like, think 1940s radio drama. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Does the shadow know what evil lurks in the hearts of men or whatever? <laughs> Very similarly, um, man. Okay, JJ, are you going to listen to this? And do you care about spoilers? No, let's talk about it, man. I'm not. Okay. I don't care about spoilers. There are some decent spoiler warnings for the long night here. Um, the show takes a long time to get where it's going, and then the last two episodes are very fast and full of turns. Yeah, yeah. So, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of exposition in this one too. Yeah, and uh, so if you're worried about spoilers for that, tune in in a couple minutes. Uh, I'll put in the timestamp here. Jump ahead to 2140. Would you guys say that it's uh, that that exposition is necessary, or do they kind of drag it out? Drag it out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a little dragged out, but they do. I, I think they do a good job of of getting you introduced to um, the agents in particular. Yes. So my answer to your question is short, but my long answer to your question is I feel like they had a bunch of twists in mind and the when you learned the twists, they kind of figured the story was over. Mm. So they didn't really get much further into those things. Um, you know, once you find out who the bad guy is and once you find out the other major one, which we'll get into in a second you kind of find those out within an episode of each other. And those episodes, if I'm not wrong, Michael are shorter by half than the rest of the season. No, they were at least the same length. The last one might've actually been a little bit, might've been the longest of the season. I think most of them were an hour and the last two were like 40 minutes. 
Huh. Well, anyway, uh, first of all, you never know who the the bad guy is until the second to last episode. Although, if you're paying attention, you kind of know in advance, right? Yeah, yeah. If you if you've followed enough comic book stories, then you can you can sort of see where it's going. And also, I think that the more knowledge that you have of X-Men in general will help with knowing what the big twist at the end is. Yeah. So the um the setup for this JJ is that there's a the Wolverine has gone to Alaska to get left alone. As he does. There's, there's a crime syndicate in Alaska who basically runs the town Sons of Anarchy style. As there is. Uh, as there is. Wolverine gets dragged into it by these red herring straw they call them the strawberry kids. They're like wild children. I don't understand that part. Is this like they can't use children of the corn, but they want yeah, another yeah. vegetable? They, they set like, it up. Their dad, their dad is kind of a, a government conspiracy nut, so he drops off the grid and takes all his kids with him. And they dies. Yeah, so they run wild living off the land. And so you think maybe they're responsible for problems, but they're not, but they are. Got and it. then there's also a cult, and you think they're responsible for problems, but not really all of the problems, kind of just their own stuff. And then you find out the son of the dude that's in charge of the crime syndicate is actually a mutant, right? And he's the one causing all these problems. It always um, has to come back to a mutant in the X-Men universe, right? Sure. They don't. Again, I don't think they said the word mutant for like eight episodes. They didn't, and I, I <laughs> noticed that too. They were being real careful to avoid it. Yeah, they they lead right up to it a couple of times, and you know one of the agents almost says it, and the other one will cut them off with a thought. Right. So you find out who it is, second to last or third to last episode. Then they have to track him down and find him. Oh, we can't find him. Then it comes to the last episode, and that one starts off with kind of a jarring non sequitur. I don't know if you would take this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you felt about that. So the last episode jumps ahead in time, and one of the agents has been forcefully restrained by the other one and is being questioned. Oh, man. Okay, so they're doing the, like, flashback thing to what do you think happened during the but fateful JJ. day? JJ, it's not a flashback if the agent's a computer. One of the people is a robot? Both of them are, are robots. Sentinels. <laughs> they're sent not just robots, they're sentinels. Yeah. Okay, but it is still a flashback because they're questioning it and the things well, happened in the need, past. So this is the part that got me and kind is of Is there like, like time travel? Out. Is that what you're saying? No, it's not time travel. It's so I first of all, uh I would have maybe seen this twist coming, but I didn't know there were human sentinels. So um I was informed by someone in the know of Marble. Marble. Marvel. Marvel. No Mar Marvel is a different guy. <laughs> That's a different thing. <laughs> Uh, there are human sentinels, and so uh, he was not surprised. Okay. My problem with this is it, he's a human sentinel, so they said he messed with his own circuitry or whatever. How? How? Is there not some sort of hard backup that he can't, right? I don't get that part. Uh, so that you could, that, that they couldn't download his memory. 
because uh-huh. he messed with it somehow. I was like, uh, I don't see how, but okay. I mean, how do human robots work in the first place? That's already good question. You know, if you're gonna yeah, get already gonna go like that, if you're already yeah. gonna make the jump that he's a robot who is somewhat able to emote and to empathize, then I don't think it's much more of a stretch from there to sure. believe that he can mess with his own memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, it's weird to just not give up the whole memory thing completely and just say they're they're human style sentinels and they don't have memory, like in that kind of way, right? Like they can't down, you know, some some kind of thing like that would be better, maybe. But it doesn't really matter. Overall, one of the agents is interviewing the other one. And they go through their little, like, bad cop, bad cop against each other thing to find out what happened to Wolverine, who they call Logan the whole time. In the uh, uh, classic mutant fashion. Right. And it kind of did it, it. For me, it kind of felt like a flat ending. You never, Wolverine never does anything. Yeah, all of his action takes place kind of off-screen. Yeah. You listen for ten episodes, and the one time you heard him, like, fighting or talking about fighting or doing anything, it was, like, through somebody else's flashback, because this is the second time they've used that. And there that's were, it. There were no, like, snicked and bubs, you know? Nope. No. Just, huh. I don't know if there was a single bub. You get the fight on the boat at the beginning described. You get him tearing apart the drug lab described. Yep. Uh, Yeah, all of his him on the on the boat rescuing the guy. All yeah, all of his his scenes are told as someone else's story. Yeah, I mean, that's not awful necessarily. But do you think it? I I mean, I guess it sounds like you are pretty disappointed that you don't really hear any, any of his side of any of those stories. I was just kind of taken aback that the format ended in this kind of, like I thought it seemed to me that they were leading up to the present, right? It always seemed like the agents were behind Logan and behind the story and always catching up. Yeah. And so the last couple episodes were going to be them finally catching up to Logan and then it being present, right? And that never happens. It's always, all the way through the end, a retelling somehow, some way. Even though, yes, I, I know the agents were w- listening to them in real time, discovering stuff. But but the story of Logan and what he's doing and all that stuff is always a flashback. Or a connected to something else being like information finding. It's never really a full blown narrative like a like you're following along as things happen and that and that seemed like maybe they were going to lead up to it and then they enough never happens so it kind of ended for me in a not a down way i liked it overall i guess the concept of it and they lead into saying there's going to be another season but gosh i hope they don't do it the same way yeah, we'll see. I I did a little bit of reading about what the second season is going to be, and it it sounds it definitely sounds interesting. Yeah, they go to Japan. Uh, no, actually, totally oh. different direction. Um, okay. he goes back to Louisiana. Okay. So they keep referencing throughout the season, JJ. He he keeps making reference to his time in Louisiana. 
Mm, okay. And the second season draws him back there. Maybe we'll get Gambit. One of those. Uh, there uh, is uh, there is a mutant um, who le- is leading a group that I think is hiding in the swamp, but it wasn't oh. Gambit. It didn't sound like Gambit. Or it's a faint, and it is Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might have named him in the article that I was reading. I see. Okay. Well, what were your overall feelings at the end of it? Um, the, the last episode was definitely not what I was expecting it to be. Um, just from the setup and the way that they finished out the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that I was really expecting that they were going to go in the direction that they went. Um, although, you know, they did, they did set up some of the stuff with, um, with Logan and the agent throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's good storytelling, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You, you know, to be able to look back and see, oh yeah, this was sort of, they, they dropped the breadcrumbs for this mm-hmm. all throughout the, the whole season. Um, on the whole, I think I really enjoyed it. Cool. There are definitely times when it, it felt a little slow, but never to the point of, Losing my interest. Yeah. Uh, I definitely listened to it all the way through. I don't know if I'll pick up the second. Fair enough. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. Any other mutant news? Uh, <laughs> funny that you should say that. Um, I think that a, a rather unexpected uh, stocking stuffer got announced this morning. Oh, okay. Uh, JJ, did you see this? Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yes, I think I did. <laughs> if if we're talking about the uh, second time in two weeks that we'll be talking about a Ryan Reynolds situation. Yes, yes, we are. Detective Pikachu and what was the name? It's Once it... Upon a Deadpool. Dead. Oh, so Brian Reynolds Deadpool. Yes, like yes. a movie version of Deadpool. Yes, it is. Okay, my understanding it is a recut version of Deadpool two. Oh, with okay. a PG thirteen rating. Oh, but it looks like the pieces that they have had to cut out, and this was a big chunk of the trailer that they dropped, are Deadpool narrating to Fred Savage, Princess Bride style. So it's it's Fred Savage sitting in the bed, <laughs> sitting in the bed like he was as a kid at the beginning of the Princess Bride movie, and Deadpool is sitting next to him with a storybook, like the grandfather. Crazy. And, okay. And so I, I mean, Are people look, clamoring for a PG thirteen Deadpool. No, I assume not. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I don't think anyone wanted this. Uh, to me, a large appeal of the Deadpool stuff is that it is like very unabashedly R-rated. Like right. look, don't take your kids to see Deadpool cuz it's it's not for kids. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Um but so I I'm curious to see what they will do like I you can cut around the violence and stuff of course, you know, take the blood out and you know, make the you know, the the gory stuff less gory and you know, then just have more explosions or whatever. But I'm not sure how like some of the other scenes and stuff you you cut around and so I'm not too sure what they end up with then um, in that movie. But if they just replace all the scenes that they have to cut with Deadpool telling Fred Savage, 
what it's about, <laughs> that would I it might actually be really funny. <laughs> Should yeah. we get the wheels back on this thing in terms of video games? We can try. <laughs> you mean you mean we 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 weren't movie watchers? We weren't movie watchers. Sometimes we were gamers. Uh, I'm not sure people want this other thing now. Artifact does not seem to be doing well, and it hasn't even launched yet. <laughs> so it is in their uh, version of not quite open beta, but the beta Soft is release more widely available to the people who got those beta keys or whatever. Uh, and uh, they, you know, they sort of did the full unveiling of it. They had a big tournament that people could watch, and it seems like generally everyone was confused because no one knows how the game is played. Uh, and then the uh, when they did the bigger unveiling, they lifted the streaming NDA, and now people that have it have been able to stream it and stuff. And uh, people are coming out with uh, unkind words to say about some of the monetization around that game. Uh oh. So I guess do uh, you guys want me to like run it down here, and maybe you guys can let me know what you think. Yeah, I I just have been following that that it's kind of getting slammed on the internet, but uh, with the amount of articles of everything on the internet getting slammed, I can't keep up. So what is going on? That's fair, by the way. It's very fair. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with all the bad stuff. Uh, so uh, the the main complaint that I've heard from people is that artifact has no real way for you to earn cards without paying. And the game is uh, pay to enter, right? It is a $20 product you have to purchase. Right. Uh, so you get nothing if you pay nothing, right? Sure. Uh, and you pay your $20. Well, what does that get you? It gets you two pre-constructed decks, uh, which are made up of cards from the, you know, card set that is out there. Uh, and they're like, you know, okay, the deck lists are out there. You can see them. Uh, and then I think you get 10 packs or something. It's 10 packs of 12 cards each, so they're like bigger sized packs than the standard Hearthstone or uh, Magic Arena card packs. Uh, what? Hold on, though. It kind of doesn't matter how big the packs are. How big is the card set? Because if you get 12 cards, but there's 900 cards, it's I don't a, know the, like a ratio thing, right? Uh, I don't know the answer to that uh, is the answer to your question. Um, but Fair enough. There's like certain things that have to be in every pack. I think every pack is guaranteed to have one hero card, of which you know you can only play one of each hero in the deck. Um, and then uh, when you get a hero card, you get the signature abilities for that hero automatically. So they don't take up spots in the in the pack. They're just you get this hero, you get their stuff. Uh, but also then there's like you know one or more rare cards in the pack. Uh, and that's, there's only two levels of rarity, I guess there's not rare and then rare. Um, or maybe there is more in anyway, the rarest level is rare. So you get one of the rarest level in the pack and then mm -hmm. you get, I think it is five event tickets and that's it. And the event tickets are basically your way to enter events that reward prizes. So if you want to play games against, uh, like, other players, you know, in, like, a draft format, you know, uh, there are different kinds of drafts, right? There's the magic-style draft where you draft cards and you keep them. 
Uh, that requires ticket or tickets to enter. And there's the other kind of draft where you just draft cards and you don't keep any of them, but you get prizes at the end. And those also require tickets. Uh, you can enter tournaments that are made by players and all this kind of stuff. But all of the, the prizes, the prized ones require tickets. You can enter tournaments for fun. They don't require tickets, uh, but you get nothing for it, right? Sure. And you can play constructed, uh, which I think doesn't award any kinds of tickets at all. So that's it. And if you want to get cards, your choices are buy more packs or buy more tickets, which cost a dollar each. And packs are like $2 each, I think. Or and the dollar each doesn't guarantee. It sounds like it doesn't guarantee you anything. It, a, the dollar will buy you a ticket and you can use yeah, the ticket the, to whatever you want. But the ticket doesn't get you the guaranteed it, it may prizes. Not get you, yeah. Depends on what you enter, right? But yeah, right. possibly not. Uh, and of course they do allow you to sell your cards on the steam marketplace. Um, of course, which hmm. is going to be a disaster, but, yep. uh, think about this, you know, those cards are, you know, like in magic, the gathering, uh, you can guess that the majority of the cards, which aren't good and aren't very usable will plummet in price to nearly free very quickly. And the ones that are very good will have massive value and never go down. Sure. So you think go on sale at all? You're so, yeah, exactly. And they're gonna. So you're buying a two dollar loot box to maybe get something good, or you can buy individual cards for way more than two dollars, hoping you know to buy enough of the ones that you need. My main question is, how is this going to get past Chinese and EU regulations? Because that seems like the most egregious of gambling ideas in terms of how you get cards. Uh, so I think all the rarities and the like chance to get certain things are laid out and i think that's all that's required by those authorities it's like here is the ratio wow. for this to this to this there you go it's not a good ratio certainly uh but you know what it is yeah and that's what matters and and i think the thing that probably is turning people off the most is there's no free reward structure at all nothing there's no like um dust or gold equivalent or whatever there's none of that um and Valve, even after some of this, like, very loud outcry, has come back around and said, oh, well, maybe we'll let you take some of your, um, you know, because a hero card, right, you know, every pack has one hero, you're going to eventually open duplicates, right? You can still only play one of each hero in a deck. So, like, what do you do when you have, like, you open your second Sven or your 60th Sven? The card is just worthless. You could sell it on the... You can try selling it on the marketplace, but Sven is in the pre-constructed decks that every person gets when they play the game. So, like, it's double worthless now. This, this seems bad. It seems bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard nothing in what you've said that makes me even minutely interested in cool. participating. And, and so, awesome. You know, the the comment, that the reductive comment, that's why I didn't want to lead with it, has been, oh, this game is pay to everything <laughs> Good because point. there's no free anything in this game you pay to get the game you pay to get more cards in it you pay to everything requires some kind of payment yeah you get some of those tickets free and if you win a bunch maybe you can get free tickets you know by winning very very well at you know the high skilled uh modes or whatever but obviously, no, not everyone is going to be able to do that. And even the best players aren't going to be able to go, you know, 100% in that kind of stuff. 
they went out to make a totally new style of card game and brought in huge talent, and this is the best scheme they could come up with for getting people to play it? Yeah, it's it's so wild to me. Like, this whole thing seems just like Valve was like, okay, we're going to start with the greediest, like, most unbelievably insane, like, just awful, awful, awful business model. And then when people get mad, we're going to dial it back to just really bad. And they'll be like, okay, it's so much better now. Like, I can't see <laughs> any other plan here. Like, they opened with the worst model possible that I can think of. Certainly light years more greedy than every other card game. Or every which other has kind of constituted itself around the Hearthstone model. Or even, like, at least every other digital card game, right? At least, yeah. in, um, you know, in... Uh, if you want to take it back, even, you know, the other digital card games that are out there, the Magic Arena still allows you to earn packs without having to pay. Uh, Magic Online, which is, a, you know, the other older Magic client, allows you to trade cards between players without the company getting a cut in between, uh, <laughs> which this doesn't. What, what a world that was. <laughs> so, like, you know, then, in, oh, okay, well, like, well, what's the benefit versus this over playing paper card games, right? Like, why don't I just buy the pieces of paper? You know, if they're trying to implement that model completely, well, you know, Valve is taxing you every time you want to sell your piece of paper to someone <laughs> digitally. Uh, so, you know, it's like, it's really, really bad. I just, and hearing about all this stuff and then just, like, has... I was interested in the idea of this game and now I don't want to go anywhere near it except as like to watch the train cars crash, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'll be standing far, far away playing a good game. I just wonder who the business analyst was who presented this as the best way to market this game. Yeah. I'm sure there will be many articles coming soon and now I'm intrigued to read those at least. <laughs> yeah. The breakdowns. And, you know, like, the the basic part of this model is not that different to, like, say, getting into paper magic, right? You pay sure. your $20 for your starter decks, and then you buy packs or whatever, and you get some packs with it. But the problem, then, is this is not a paper game. <laughs> like, nope. You can cash out your, your paper magic cards if you get a bunch of really good ones. You can't do that here because your money is stuck within the Steam wallet ecosystem. So, uh, man, I just, uh, man. Let's, let's, okay, let's just walk away from this and find something good to talk about. We need a better <laughs> feeling for the end of this podcast. Uh, Michael, did you finish Ori? I did. So, contrary to my, uh, my speculation last week, I have not touched StarCraft 2 again. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Because oh. I got a... Was it, was it, did your hands hurt? Did no. You, did you get a little bit of premature carpal tunnel? <laughs> it wasn't even that. I just got uh, I got hooked on the art the artwork of uh, of Ori. It was hmm. too good looking. Yeah. Just didn't wanna didn't wanna put it down. And it's just, you know, it's such a well put together game. But so, yeah, I had a I had a good time with it. I think it took me, if I look back at the play clock, probably thirteen hours. And you went through and kind of accrued all the powers and everything else? Yeah, yeah, I did a, a 100% exploration of the map. Oh, cool. um, most of which I got along the way. 
Okay. And this isn't like um, accidentally a Symphony of the Night thing where there's actually 200%, is it? No, no. There's a 100% of the map is 100% of the map. Okay. Yeah, there's not like a, a flip side that's just as big. Um, But it was good. I <laughs> I played it a little bit out of order. There's one section that I guess you don't actually have to go into at all, uh, but it does contain two abilities within it that you don't need to finish the game, um, but you they will help you out if you collect them, uh, and they grant you access to some areas that you can't get to otherwise. But I went a different way, and wound up finishing the game before, kind of before I realized that I couldn't go back and get them. Oh uh, no! You can you can reload your game after the fact and keep yeah. exploring, which is what I did. Okay. Okay. Cool. They don't lock you out completely. That's good. No, so, no, they don't. Ori Two is coming. How uh, how determined are you to play that after this? Um, very likely. Okay. Very, very, very likely to definitely after playing the first one. Nice. Um, but the uh, the poignance of the story, uh, I think I mentioned this last time with the beginning, um, doesn't really lessen as you go through it. Um, and I think that is something that you miss having watched it just as a speed run. Because they, you know, they skip over all the story cut scenes. There are ways to to creative menuing that lets you skip them. Uh, I have to say I'm they, proud that I have no idea what the story of Ori is and I'm yeah, really I glad had, now. I had no clue going into it either. Um, but it's it's actually a really kind of touching story. And it, you know, it, just like the art, is enough of a reason by itself to play the game. Oh, good. That's awesome to hear, man. Yeah. Better storytelling wow. in Metroidvanias. That's always yeah, good to hear. Yeah, for sure. JJ, did you do better than me on something? You've got like four games outstanding, and I know some new stuff has come out. I know. I'm doing really bad at finishing games, <laughs> uh, but I've been jumping around. Uh, I'm still working through Thronebreaker. Uh, I haven't gotten to that, but it feels like I'm on the, the march towards the end. Uh, I've finished my upgrade trees and stuff in there. Uh, but Hitman 2 came out. And I really liked Hitman 1, uh, or Hitman from 2016, I guess. <laughs> and this is now Hitman 2 from 2018, because there was also already a game called Hitman 2. Um, is it... Is it possible that they just didn't realize what they were doing to people that are our age? Or they just don't care about people that were around when the original Hitman came out and we thought... This is an amazing series, and then it kind of fell off, and then now they're marketing to new people, or or they just don't care about the head bending that we're going through. So it was definitely a um, like kind of a reboot of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, different style of game entirely, almost. Uh, I mean, not uh, yeah, it's more open worldy, so like kind of, but it, they were always in this vague direction. Um, but you know, <laughs> Hit, Hitman twenty sixteen was a pretty big change in sort of the feel and the control and stuff. And this is definitely more of that, uh, which, so if you liked that last Hitman game, uh, this is more of that. And they have done away with the episodic model, which it sounded like a lot of people were not too happy with. I thought it was great, but, 
Um, it's gone. You can buy this game and play all the maps now. Uh, which no, sh- yep. There's not going to be any DLC for this game. Uh, so they have announced there is going to be DLC, but it's you know traditional like hey buy the season pass or buy you know this part and this other part together and you know see you get an extra map and an extra whatever every time. Uh, hard uh, hmm. elusive targets should be one of those things that comes out each time, right? Correct. The elusive targets seem like they'll be free, uh, and the first one starts here in a few days. Uh, it is. Sean Bean, the Undying. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> what a great name. Uh, and I just have to say, I've played most of the maps so far. Um, you know, not like too deeply into a lot of them. Um, I plan to go back and replay all of them. Uh, it's awesome. And the new stuff they added is really cool. Uh, they added the ability to hide in foliage, which I know sounds really dumb. Um, <laughs> I like a- they use the word foliage. Because that's how uh, that's how they use it. They also uh, allow you to blend into crowds, so like to hide inside a crowd, uh, which you sort of couldn't do before. Assassin's uh, Creed style, a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the Assassin's Creed version of that was never very good. So I hope this is better. It is because the maps are way bigger than the maps oh, from okay. the first season, and the extra size of the maps it makes it so that there's like. 15 different weird little interesting corners of every map and like weird ways to use those interesting things to do something hilarious to murder the people that you're trying to murder or (laughs) whatever because you're not always trying to murder everyone sometimes you need to locate this person or get this object or whatever now Um, between the first two games here do you feel like you're pigeonholed into how you get your targets like they've done two games now are they still creative enough to allow you to take down your targets in enough ways that you don't feel like, well, I didn't do it the right way? So there isn't a right way, but they have definitely done a good job in Hitman 2 uh, of allowing you to sort of follow a breadcrumb trail that will lead you to the very cool scripted or funny kills, right? And they did some of that in the first uh game as well but i feel like they've improved on that system a lot here they really hold your hand straight to the funny thing uh and kind of let you know hey man if you really want to see these like cool scripted assassinations that we wrote you know where the one where oh the pipe falls on the guy's head or you drop a piano that happens to kill his car and he gets blown up or you know these sorts of uh the other assassin that who had a contract out on this guy you help that guy out so that you didn't do it he did um that kind of stuff is uh they sort of handhold you through that stuff which can be you know you don't have to play with those so if you feel like the game is not challenging enough and you want to have you know more of a challenge uh to explore but with I just enjoy watching it. <laughs> and so it's very fun to just sort of follow. It's like, hey, you know, sneak into here. And then they're like, hey, here's a place you could sneak into here from. Of course, it's not going to tell you, like, you know, you could go another way if you want. But, you know, there's this wall you could climb over. It's right here. What if you would climb in there? And it's like disguise yourself as, you know, the production assistant. Oh, he's smoking a cigarette right here facing away from you. Very convenient. Um, hmm. You know, all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, it has been uh, really, really great. And on top of all of this, if you own Hitman Season 1, the original game, you can play all of the Season 1 maps in the new engine in Hitman 2. 
what do you mean cool. by the new engine? Is so, it the, the up with updated lighting and update, you know, all the improvements in the season two engine on the season one maps. So like crowds that existed in the old maps, you can now blend into when you couldn't before. Uh, they've changed the way the um, the mission stories work in the old map so that they sort of follow the way the new one does. The UI oh, was sort okay. of redesigned in a way that makes it a little bit easier to tell. Like before, there was some small signs uh, when you were trespassing. Like the map would highlight a like slightly off white or something, and it would say in white you're trespassing. Now it's what in, does trespassing mean? Uh, I'm sorry, you, never having booted into Hitman uh, sure, it, 1 2016. It, it is what you think you're, what it means, right? Like, you are going somewhere you're not supposed to be. Like, you're dressed... In at, terms of game terms, that's yes. okay. You just have to know that if somebody catches you, you're going to be in trouble? Or yes. in terms of game terms, yeah. you're out of bounds? Uh, no, no, no. It's you are somewhere where the person you are dressed up as currently isn't allowed to be. And maybe they will escort you out of that area, or maybe they will be very suspicious of you and just shoot you, depending on <laughs> what's going on and who you are, right? If you're the cook and you're out of bounds by being in the front of the restaurant, that's not as bad as if, say, you're the military soldier and you are in the, you know, awards area or whatever, you know, like the race awards or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, you know... Uh, it's all about sort of who you can disguise yourself as. And then the agent 47 deadpan humor <laughs> of, you know, cause there's, he gets into, he dresses up as a cook and like, you're not supposed to realize that the cook literally a second ago had a beard and was Hispanic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And he's like, yes, I would love to cook for you. It's just like the perfect deadpan delivery of every single cheesy line. Uh, I'll just go ahead and talk about one because I thought how great it was. There's a, there's a level that takes place in the suburbs in Vermont, uh, which is a genius idea for a hitman level. (laughs) Uh, so when you say the suburbs, you mean the actual town, not just like a house or a, yeah, it's a, it is a like two or three block area. Okay. And there's, you can go into, uh, most of the houses in that area and, there are people living their lives. There's a garden party going on that half the neighborhood has been invited to. There's an old weird old man who stays in his house. And there's another guy who runs security for the weird old man across the street. Who's trying to buy a different house. And then there's a guy selling muffins and there's a real estate agent. And there's a park across the way with a political candidate over there. And you know, this whole big little town uh, that you can go around in, and there is a scripted kill that you can get up to as the real estate agent that is amazing. Uh, you know, you, you become the real estate agent, you know, by knocking him out and putting on his clothes. And you can then take one of your targets on a tour of a house he's trying to buy. And as 47, you can go in and, like, present to him every room in the house. And you hear 47's <laughs> pitch of, you know, quote unquote pitch of, you know, here's how he would sell the house to this guy. Oh no. He's like, these, <laughs> these hardwood floors are great and they cover up stains very well. <laughs> this is the kitchen where normal humans conduct their food preparation activities. <laughs> Did they like rejigger him into a robot? What is the deal? Cause he used He's to just, just be sort of like a drab, but like somewhat interesting dude that was like trained from birth to be an assassin. And so he's he's just always very deadpan. He doesn't emote, right? Uh-huh. And so he's – and what does 47 know about selling houses, right? He didn't 
So he just talks about things that he knows, right? So he <laughs> takes them into the living room and he's like, there's lots of rooms here for storage. You could fit even up to two people in the closets, <laughs> which is a thing you can do in that game. You can fit two bodies in the closet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, you know, you go upstairs and it's like, oh, this is the master bedroom. And there was a murder that took place in that bedroom. You had to like, you know, break it open to even get in there. And there's still some like, you know, handprints on the walls and stuff. And he's like, clearly. And he's like, you know, the guy walks, he's like, Jesus, what happened here? 47 is like, it looks like the, someone was killed by doing this and <laughs> accidentally tried to escape here. And the, the assailant came over and hit him very hard with a piece of metal. Like he just goes through the whole thing. And he's like, <laughs> the guy just looks at him. He's like, criminal justice is my side hobby. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the game is just waiting to see what the Easter eggs are. Cause obviously once you've got the guy in the house, you can off him. Right. Uh, no, because he has bodyguards following him around, right? Oh. And so you're okay. you're going through this presentation, and there is eventually, at some point when you present the house, you can find a place where he will get himself into a situation where his bodyguards can't see, or he asks them to leave because he wants to talk about something sensitive or whatever, and then you get the chance to off him, right? Gotcha. Um, right. But, you know, it, it's just the funny stuff they have set up in every weird little corner of this uh, that is so, so good. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I, I'm really enjoying that. Um, and it's one of those games that's meant to be you know, replayed over and over. So you can discover all the weird little quirks and, and side things. Uh, I killed a man by pushing him off the roof of his building where he was repairing a satellite that I sabotaged or a satellite dish <laughs> onto the racetrack that was down below while his daughter was driving by so that he crashed into her car and killed both of them at once. <laughs> okay. You know, they deserved it. Oh. They were bad guys, so. Oh, all right. Uh, also, let me that's... say, the end level of this is some really good revenge fantasy stuff. If uh, you are maybe a little sick of very wealthy people and corporations, uh, it's oh. pretty good. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it, it has been uh, a wild ride with this, so I'm excited to definitely play more. And I, I want to kill sean bean <laughs> oh don't just leave him alone maybe there's an achievement for not not offing him uh you know the elusive target thing you know they're only around for a certain amount of time and if you don't kill them i think they uh are you know that's supposedly the one-time thing although i think they have typically brought them back the fun of it is and you know the it is just a different target on one of the other maps and the maps really are the thing that is cool about the game, and you definitely have access to all of those. So, Hitman 2 is uh, rad. People should play it. That's my re review. Another blast from the past, real quick. Then we'll get into football, I guess. Uh, Prima, Prima Games. Yeah, and their publisher, who I guess also owns Brady Games. I don't know who the publisher is, the name. Um, but I guess they announced that uh, that Prima or Prima or however you want to say their name is no longer going to be a ongoing concern. Pour, Closing up shop. Pour one out for your favorite strategy guide books. Sad-ish. Uh, I can't remember if I used Brady or those more when I was younger and didn't have the internet. Yeah. I was surprised, however, that these guys were not a casualty of the internet earlier, considering GameFAQs has been around for 15 years. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think they definitely leaned hard into the like, hey, here's a QR code on this page that you can scan and go watch a video of X or Y thing or whatever. And, you know, yeah, in some cases, I think those strategy guides were interesting in the idea of like, hey, this is mostly an art book, but like Mm -hmm. has some tips or whatever. Um, But, yeah, I just I don't know who would they were these days be doing that. They were essential when Ocarina and all those games were coming out. Final Fantasy. You want to make sure you didn't mess up which order to open the chests in FF10. I think yeah, I still have think... one for Final Fantasy Tactics on my shelf here. I've got I've got one next to me on the shelf here too. Uh, funny that you say Final Fantasy because I think the the consensus in the community that has consumed these guides agrees that the worst strategy guide ever written was the one put out for Final Fantasy IX. I believe that. Okay, why? They decided to try and do a guide that didn't give everything away. But the way that they did it was to integrate it with an online portal. And the online portal was hot garbage. Because as you can imagine, it was run by Square Enix. Yeah, it was just the, the whole thing was a nightmare. So you had a strategy guide that didn't tell you anything when you needed to know it, except hey, there's something here that you might not want to miss. You should go to the website and put in this code to find out more. And it wasn't it wasn't like you had to pay for it or anything, but the website was so convoluted and so confusing that it wound up being more trouble than it was worth. Huh. And, you know, these days, if you had... If you had a smartphone or a laptop next to you, it's, it's one thing, but... You know, these were the days when people had a desktop in the house. So, you know, if your um, PlayStation was in one room and the desktop was across the house and you were stuck on something, you had to stop the game and troop across the house and pull up the site and type in the code and hope that that section was actually put together well enough for you to figure out what you needed. And that's hoping you weren't on still on dial-up at the time. Right. <laughs> Mom! Yeah, exactly. Need the internet. But, you know, I think uh definitely have a few memories of that. Uh, oh, for my... sure. I've definitely got a very worn copy of of my Ocarina book with the pages that are kind of falling out of it still. I can't get yep. rid of it. It's like a security blanket. You know, and that stuff is cool, I think. Yeah. If anybody's got a cool uh story about their favorite strategy guide or worst uh, we have an email address for that, Andrew. Uh, it's, no. Really? Yep. Yep. Oh. I'm still hoping to hear takes about uh, Detective Pikachu, but, you know, we'll, oh. we'll we wait on those. Hopefully they'll be in next those. week. <laughs> uh, and that we email address is, is podcast at wewergamers.com. Yeah. Uh, we are also on Facebook at wewergamers and on Twitter and Instagram, both at wewergamers. Uh, so fo- follow us on there, like the podcast, follow it, subscribe, download every week, you know, let us know what you want to hear. We're happy to talk about more stuff because it's what we do. Nice. Nice. Randy see football. Monday night football literally just ended somehow. I holy, think this is a holy cow. 
I started trying to type in the chat to what not happened distract at, us. What happened while at the end happening. here? Uh, Mahomes threw two more interceptions. Oh God! To end the game, their oh. last two possessions. Both both possessions, he just decided to throw picks instead of getting a touchdown. Ugh. Yeah, one of them. So he, he went from, his arm got hit. He went from okay, having so, no interceptions to four this game. Is that what happened? Let's, Three let's, picks and a fumble. Ugh. If a quarterback threw 478 yards, six touchdowns, and three interceptions, would you think they maybe won their game? I think 99% out of 100 times, yeah. I mean, unless their name was Blake Bortles, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> if a quarterback threw 413 yards, four touchdowns, you think maybe they won their game? Yeah. I also, mean, yes. Those Jeez. are the two quarterbacks in the Monday Night Football game that was happening. All right. I, I pulled up some statistics. He has 478 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, two fumbles, and two a, fumbles. A, yeah. uh, some rushing attempts for like 30 yards or something. He the, In my league, he finished with over 35 points. Just looking at the game cast, the scoring summary, the just the touchdowns and the kicks, the field goals, takes a whole page the whole the whole browser page is full. yeah <laughs> uh the person with patrick mahomes in my work league lost to the person playing ryan fitzpatrick what who, who he lost also in... had three interceptions <laughs> so they lost scored. in my league too he had almost 50 points in my league because six point touchdowns but was playing the number one was playing the number one team in the league and so still lost by like 17 points yikes this guy lost because he had like demarius thomas who put up a zero dalvin cook who put up basically a zero his tennessee defense got minus four so he didn't help himself there He had a couple Ooh. nothing burgers, so why why would you start the Tennessee defense? The Colts are actually good now. Look, but <laughs> you know, I don't know why he did that. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, uh, I lost my games, uh, most of them this week, so I can't. Uh, and I'm not too terribly happy, but it was over before this game, so I could just sit and watch this spectacle uh, as it unfolded. You know, what a game, man! <laughs> Third highest scoring football game of all time. Yeah. Hey, is this a scoregami? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, it's got to be. I can it's find gotta that out. It's got to be a scoregami. It does. It doesn't have to be. Certainly. Well, if it's the highest, yeah. I guess if it's the third highest, it might not be. But well, but the other two. I saw the other two, and it's not tied. All right. So the, it's on the on. only way that this many points has been scored. Uh, the Twitter account that I follow. Uh, scoregami. Has not it updated. Is. According Did... to the website, it is a scoregami. All right. Congratulations, friends. If Yay. you uh, don't remember what a scoregami is, go find the episode of ours called, titled Scoregami. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the numbers wow. are so high here. It just had almost guarantee, right? It had to be. Yeah. Yeah. 54. 51, I believe, 51. was the final. It is on the board. Clicking on it, first game: L.A. Rams fifty-four, fifty-one. Kansas City Chiefs twenty eighteen. Wow, what a game! So there's there's no point in watching the Super Bowl this year because it just happened. I mean, this very likely that this game was better than the Super Bowl. You want to know something fun? This game could be the Super Bowl again. 
Yeah, how great would that be? It's the AFC-NFC game. It could happen. Yeah, I wonder, man, and think about it, too. This game was supposed to be played in Mexico City, and they moved it to L.A. Yes. Imagine the difference in that crowd. Well, uh, and the size of it, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I wonder, I mean, you know, you saw pictures of the field in Mexico and all kind of how that was looking, and I mean, you understand why they did it, but, like, man, the people at that Mexico Stadium must be mad well they should be mad at the people that didn't upkeep the field yeah i mean the you know the i don't know who's in charge of that but yeah i mean definitely it's their own fault right they're the ones who scheduled the concert and didn't you know replant the grass early enough or whatever yep yep wow well i'm sorry to hear that you lost your games i uh eked it out despite having started sammy watkins over josh reynolds whoopsie I should have stuck with my gut on that one. Uh, I went with the, oh, but Sammy Watkins gets more opportunities and Josh Reynolds is new to the lineup. But uh, my brain said, don't start a guy that hasn't practiced all week. And I didn't listen to it. Uh, Yeah. I think that's... Greg Zerline got me enough points to get away from the stat correction zone. The leg. Legatron. (laughs) Legatron. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a tough week for me. You know, I had, um, George Kittle on by, so he's been a, I, the backup tight end I picked up, I think got two points. So, mm. um, yeah, that's a serious downgrade. Uh, no, and no. I, playing Christian McCaffrey against the owner of Cam Newton hurt pretty bad. Uh, yeah, not a lot I was going to be able to do there. So I'm not too upset about it. Uh, I dropped in my work league from first place to tied with three other teams in record for first. Uh, I don't know. I think my points for are lower though. So I'll probably be in like third or fourth. Wow. It's uh, it's precipitous in that league. And then there's like two or three more teams with the record of one win behind that also. So it's getting down to the end here in fantasy. Yeah. We're um, only a few days away from, or a few weeks away from playoffs. So, if you're not starting to focus on that, you probably should. <laughs> I think I'll make it in. We'll see. I nice. have some thoughts about fantasy this year that are starting to coalesce in my mind, but we'll get to it at the end of the season. Sounds good. I'll be happy to talk about it, of course. And until then. That's your cue for your on to next oh, week tagline yeah. during fantasy oh, football, man. We are on to week 12, everyone. <laughs> Totally organic. Uh, I really need to get back to the part where we're ending the episodes on me asking you a question and you say, eh, because <laughs> this isn't doing it. This is not doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs>